Back in the day, we used to have excuses of why we couldn't have um, this type of information. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, you know. Of course, other people that built generational wealth they had it back then, and they through, you know. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things Black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. And now here's your host, Blair Durham. Welcome okay. to the show. How are you? I appreciate you being here and definitely uh, appreciate your work in the space and everything that you are doing to empower and educate uh, members of our community. So I want to hit the ground running and talk a bit about your book, Bicultural, Living and Leaving the World of Illusions. What inspired you to write this book? Um, it was it was um. I had to tell my story because um, it's uh, come to find out, even though I thought it was unique, other people have seen it that as well, you know. Um, so after a certain point when I just really got, you know, comfortable with my skin and enough knowledge and information that, you know, that I t- articulate myself, you know, properly, you know, I decided just to just write it and share it, you know. And 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 I tell a lot of people all the time, this is a self-help book. It's like, a, for me, I put it out like a self-help and a self-healing, self self um, elevation type guide just a small small guide yeah well let's hear a little bit of that story i mean i'm reading here uh you are talking about battling racism battling self-hate self-esteem issues and no doubt you know these are paramount to the black experience uh what what has been your experience well i grew up right outside of um Richmond, Virginia, and Melothian, Virginia, and when, you know, the population at the time I grew up is, you know, mainly, you know, Caucasian. And, you know, the experience that I had was very, it was was very um, oppressive and suppressive, you know, in every way. So, in almost every angle that you dealt with um, just living life, you know, there was always that pressure on you. I tell people all the time that you know, being a black American is like, um, you know, having an 800 pound gorilla in your back with a target on its back, you know? And that's the type of experience, you know, that we deal, we deal with as being black Americans every day. And, you know, just growing up in, in high school, you know, um, not a blatant racism, you know, um, police, you know, everything that is pretty much that we have to deal with as a black American, you know, I just dealt with it in, um, you know, every day, you know, for a good, you know, until I left, so a good 20, 20 something years of my, you know, 20 something years of my life, you know, been living there. I just, I dealt with it, you know? It's interesting as well when you think about the city of Richmond uh, and the level of racism that is experienced there. You know, it's not something that we talk about all the time, but when you look at the statistics, you realize that a lot of the police brutality, uh, a lot of the school to prison pipeline issues really are concentrated right in our own our own backyard. So I'm going to assume I haven't had a chance to read the book in full as of yet, but I'm going to assume that there's some empowerment that comes through the experience, right? That it's not all bad. So I guess my question is, how have you been able to translate that, as you refer to it, blatant, you know, racism into something that has 
um, elevated you in some sense. Yeah, the main thing was just that I didn't have knowledge of self, and you know, in history and in, in any form, going when going through that. So it was like there was a fire that was lit in me because um, I still remember the day when I was in fifth grade, and my fifth grade teacher said all black people were um, were just slaves, and that was like only thing I ever learned about us, you know. So they came to a certain point when I was in my early 20s and why I just started searching, you know. Um, I, asked, I would ask the pastors of the church I went back then. You know, I couldn't get answers. I would go to, I went to a mosque, you know, literally, and I asked questions. I couldn't get answers. So it was this, I went on this journey, you know, of just self-knowledge. And the more and more that I dug and learned, the more and more I realized that a lot of our greatness was hidden from it. And for me going through what I did, I overstood completely why I was hidden from it. Because why would you have a system that's against you to want to know how great you and your people really are? You know? Yeah, good point you raised. You know, I was going to ask you for those who may be um, maybe new to the, the term a knowledge of self, right? We're not talking about anatomy or physiology here. <laughs> You're talking about an understanding of uh history, right? As it relates to people of African descent living all over the world, pre the, uh, the slave trade, etc. cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And not only that, but in addition, it's about, you know, just knowing your, um, the characteristic and the personality flaws that you have inside yourself and okay. being, mature, being mature enough to fix them and getting them enough knowledge to do that as well. You know what I mean? If you were, you know, Let's say, for example, if you're if you're some somebody that's dishonest, you know, you have to be honest with yourself to realize you're dishonest. That's knowing yourself. You know, if you're, if you're addicted to something, you know, even drugs, alcohol, or just sex or whatever the case may be, realize it's detrimental. You know what I mean? And then fixing it, being honest with yourself, say, I I can't do this. The more and more you real with yourself, and you start to, it's like the analogy I like to use is kind of like um having a rock, you know. And you keep banging at that rock and chisel until you want to have a fine stone, you know. Once you have that fine, raw, round stone from chiseling that, you know, that, that, that rock and you get that fine stone, you know, you're refining yourself. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, in addition, that's, you know, a part of knowledge itself. Yeah, I think that part could be missing in a lot of conversation, right? You, you get more of the emphasis on the historical greatness and look at who we were, you know, in ancient Kemet, etc. You don't get much of the focus on character refinement, exactly. uh, which I think is important. You know, if we're going to start to talk about unity, mm -hmm. then we definitely need to talk about character refinement, right? So, yeah, I can appreciate that. Go on. Yeah, you know, it's just, I mean, just like you're saying, if you, if you want to build a community of individuals that are trying to, uh, that are being serious about making, you know, true and permanent moves, then you can't have a bunch of conniving backstabbers and, you know, other individuals in there doing that. You know, you have to, you know, you have to set on a moral compass that pretty much everybody in addition can at least agree upon or, even you know, <laughs> they can not only agree upon, but everybody can see the morality in you so it's okay for them to work with you to move forward no yeah it's really important noticing here too that there is um some talk about how you find power in music mm -hmm. uh, maybe you want to to highlight a bit of that um, of course, I mean, we, we share music as um, 
one of the central elements of enjoyment in our world. But what's your context in terms of the book that you've written? Well, the music part was because that was like my voice of everything I went through. I started it. That was my, my, my channel. That was what I was able to use to let everything out. You know what I mean? And um, to express myself. So instead of, you know, cutting myself or, you know, abusing women and mm-hmm. drugs, it was music that was my outlet, you know? Okay. So, yeah, so that music, um, once, I tell people all the time, one of my, when I perform in front of, uh, uh, you know, tons of people, whatever, the most important thing to me is when people can come up to me after the show and they, and they say, you know what, I got what you're saying in your lyrics. You know, because my, 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 my lyrics are very down to earth and they're also self-help lyrics, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I really don't really care much about all the rest of it. It's fun. Don't get it, you know, don't get it wrong, but don't get it wrong. But when people talk to you how much their lyrics affected you, that's what it means to me the most, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what, kind, what genre of music are you writing and performing? Well, back then it was uh, rock. I was, um, I started off doing rock, but then, um, that's when I was younger, but it, it kind of evolved into rock and kind of R&B, neo soul. So that whole genre right now. Yeah. If you just tuned in, this is Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham uh, having a conversation with Zoe, your bro Zoe, uh, about a book that he's written and just uh, the transformative power of music and words to really elevate uh, oneself as, as well as the culture at large. So I want to ask you, you know, thinking about kind of where we find ourselves now as a world, uh, obviously the pandemic, the social unrest kind of coming to a head. Mm-hmm. What are you, what's your um, entrepreneurship angle now? You know, what are you doing if you were, if you were engaged with lots of people before, uh, how are you, how are you connecting now and, and, and how's business? Um, business is fine. Well, well actually, it, as you can imagine, it took a drop because um, the music industry pretty much, you know, went 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 south, you know. But even inside of those, because of um, even a platforms like this, you're able to put out your music in addition. But also, you know, you can you can um, promote your book as well. But me personally, I've been focusing a lot um, on cryptocurrency. You know, I've been, um, okay. yeah, you know, I'm still doing, dealing with stock specifically, but I'm really, I'm really trying to stay up with the times with just dealing with currency and, you know, because we're, co- we're coming in, it's obviously that we're going to go into that, that everything's going to go digital eventually, you know, sure. so, um, so you have to really be on top of all that, uh, everything uh, and all that information that comes along with the cryptocurrency and everything else that it, it's going along because now you have to when they say it's like a restart and a reset you know it's financially speaking in addition to a lot of other things that you have to you have to take the next step with that as well you will be left behind you know so it's very important for people that to get this new terminology correct get the new information of dealing with these new um, type of currencies because eventually you know everything's going to flip over to you know, the fiat currency is going to die. We know that, you know, the dollar's not even real. So, you know, you, what's, what's the next thing going to be? You know? mm-hmm. And in your estimation, how important is kind of grasping this concept of cryptocurrency right now for the black community? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, 
like I said, you, if you don't, you're going to get left behind. You know, so you have to, I mean, and, and the thing is this, back in the day, we used to have excuses of why we couldn't have um, this type of information. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, you know, of course, other people that built generational wealth, they had it back then and, and through, you know, hundreds of years, they can just build and et cetera. But we all have the information now in front of us in which we can utilize to start our own uh, foundation of generational wealth. You know, it's an even playing field now. You know, so we have to, you know, we have to take advantage of all these resources. Yeah, I agree to that, you know, um, because a lot of times just the the language of racism and so forth can kind of cloud the fact Mm -hmm. that we have access to information in an unprecedented way. Um, And so maybe it is the case that because of the impact of racism, we don't know exactly what we what we should be researching, mm-hmm. but with so many new platforms, you know, coming to bear, podcasting, for example, exactly. Exactly. I, I I agree with you that there really are not not any excuses. Uh, you know, I live in Atlanta. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and everything that I experienced, you know, you know, I've traveled around the world as well, but everything I experienced back in Virginia, um, it's like the exact opposite in Atlanta. You know, you know, it's the exact opposite. I mean, you know, you know, it's very rare. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to random in Atlanta, you know, um, just get pulled over and get beat up by cops just for being black. You know, you know, it, it's just, it's not that, I mean, it can happen, okay? you know, you're twisted, but it's not nearly the same. You're not harassed, you know what I mean? In certain areas, it's, it's less people, you know what I mean? These people look like you. You know, and unless they just having a bad day, most people don't mess with it's just different, you know. So mm-hmm. it it being different, you can't use the past as a crutch in dealing with, with the future. You know, because yeah. that, that old reality has absolutely nothing to do with the present. Yeah. I made a number of trips to Atlanta. Uh I have a number of friends who've relocated from you know Virginia that is home to us to the Atlanta uh region. Um, and they echo what you have just shared um, and that in a lot of instances, people are much more supportive. Black businesses thrive, you know, um, and that some of the things that we're attempting here you know, won't get traction here. But again, in Atlanta, they will do exceptionally well. Um, so I, I do think it's interesting. What do you think has contributed to um, that kind of condition in Atlanta? Um, that kind of progression, that kind progression. of... Well, you know. it, it's, you know, the concentration of progressive black black um, black people, people, um, melanated people, um, and the time frame that that progression started. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and because you've had, you know, you know, you're going back to... And see, here's another thing. A lot of people don't understand. I just learned this recently that there was um, a race riot that happened. I think it was either 1910 or 1920 in Atlanta. And what happened was it was very similar to um, what happened on Black Wall Street. But after the race riot happened, it actually Atlanta split. Like the north was where the whites was and the the south was where the uh, affluent black was. So even before like the 60s, people in Atlanta here were still doing their thing, Mm. you know. So 
in addition, those people just kept on carrying the torch. And that's why in Atlanta, like a perfect example where I'm from um, in Midlothian, there's small communities in which are like probably 95% all white. And, you know, houses over there probably $300,000 and up, you know, but there's only about, you know, I can name now probably maybe 10 communities in that, in that area. But in Atlanta, you would, you, you can, I mean, there's hundreds, I mean, it literally feel like there's hundreds, you know, communities just like that, you know, and in the outskirts as well. So, you know, these people are been building generational wealth for a minute, you know, and you can see it, you know, when you, when you ride the MARTA train in Atlanta, um, cause I used to, when I, I used to work for at and for a while. So when I used to sit in there, you just can't sit down and look around at all the black people and they'd be like, oh no, you know, you can tell he's a janitor. And, you know, you could tell, you know what I mean? He's a taxi driver. No, these, you know, these people, these people are professional, you know, and young, you know, and young and old going all the way through. So it's, they've been sustaining this progressive, you know, this progressive progressiveness for um, a while. Yeah, I was just thinking, I know people that, you know, were from the Hampton Roads, Virginia area, relocated to Atlanta, tried to come back to Virginia because this is where family was and then just had to, like, get back down to Atlanta <laughs> as quickly as possible uh, for a lot of the reasons that that you're mentioning. Um, we've only got about a minute remaining. What kind of promotion of your of your book, your website? Is there anything that you would want to share to help our audience connect with you? Yeah, I pretty much consolidated uh, everything to my website. It's yourbrozo.com, Y-O-U-R-B-R-O-Z-O.com. My book's there, my music there, my podcast there. You know, everything's there. Awesome. Yourbrozo.com. Just like it. Just like it sounds. Y-O-U-R-B-R-O-Z-O.com. This has certainly been a pleasant conversation. Always enjoy connecting with uh, positive, positive energy. Excited to see you out there in the mountains. Enjoying a beautiful day. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Look forward to having you back on the show, too, particularly as uh, things kind of continue to develop with cryptocurrency. Maybe we can kind of go there in a bit more detail next time. I will be right here. You know where to get me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I, I, I appreciate you again. I appreciate you as well. This show is brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated, our consulting services. We do credit fixes tax resolution, we lend private money to real estate investors, and we do debt consolidations. Basically, we put money in your pocket when you need money. We put money in your pocket when you need money. 757-932-0177. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. Uh.
phenomenal. <laughs>